Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. Today we are going to be continuing on with Kindred, so if you haven't listened to the first few episodes, please be sure to go check those out before jumping in over here. Also, it's important to listen to the first episode because I gave some trigger warnings. And honestly, I would just, if you don't want to go back to the first episode, maybe just search them for yourself because uh, it is a lot and I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. And yeah, please check those out um, just in case you need them. But yeah, this episode is going to get into a lot of great topics, so I'm excited. I hope you guys will enjoy it. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I think this is a really good episode and I really, really, really love this book. So I hope you all are enjoying it too and that you all are reading it and vibing with it as much as I am. But without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Barely Books podcast. Today, we're going to continue talking about Kindred. And this time we are talking about the chapter titled The Flight. And I am joined today by Candace. Hi, everybody. So much happens. This is such a long chapter. Such a long chapter. Goes on forever. Most of them I noticed they have like, because the book is like broken up into like sub chapters kind of with the numbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And numerically, I think this is the this is the most I had read through that, I you know, this this far. Usually they end by like 10 of those little dividers. But this is like, I don't know what 15 something like that of them or something yeah it's really long and i honestly ignore those <laughs> so i'm just like eh, whatever that's a guide <laughs> it helps me know when to like pause because i get really sunken in sometimes especially with this like this book is like going at breakneck speed in some chapters in some places mm-hmm. so it helps me figure out where i need to kind of like bathroom break because i'm just yeah. like so into it yeah. <laughs> i'm like eyes glued then i'm like oh it's chapter okay calm down sometimes i pause get a snack right before important parts happen like when someone says something right before something happens i'm like i need it i need a second hold on brace yourself yeah so i like put the book down i open my phone look at nothing close my phone think about life and then i'm like all right let's go yep yep absolutely this chapter has a lot of those moments a lot so let's just start going right at the beginning. So this uh, chapter is titled The Fight. I did hypo- like hypothesize that this was going to be a Dana and Kevin fight. Kinda. Not really. No. Not the center focus, but also sub focus. We'll see. So, you know, Dana is back modern day and kind of like reflecting on her life a little bit. So we're getting more tiny tidbits, which is always fun. So apparently, uh, Kevin, when they w- went to move in together, suggested that uh, she gets rid of some of her books so they would fit into his apartment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I hate you. I hate you so much. He was like, I'm going to help you figure out which books uh-huh. you should throw away. Yeah. And it's like so easy for him to like tell this educated black woman. Mm-hmm. You don't need this much education. You've got mm-hmm. me. Yeah. 
It's hard because, again, I know that that's not his intention. He doesn't feel malicious. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like he's going out of his way to just be a right shit. That's not, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's not what this is. However, that does not keep him from coming across that way. I know. (laughs) And it's like, I feel like it's also very easy to not reflect on yourself and like think, hey, these are some things about myself that are not great. And I have this like uh subconscious racism you know and yeah. he just is like eh. <laughs> it's t- totally not because i am married to a black woman and i'm like that doesn't excuse your behavior my guy well i mean even the way that like he kind of asks or approaches the subject of mm-hmm. marriage he's just like oh you think you want to marry me or whatever yeah. like it's not even like a proper <laughs> and she's like wait you want to get married like that's the first time he says anything about mm-hmm. it it's not even romantic you know, and then right after gets mad at her for not writing his pages. Literally. I he can't make up his mind. Kevin. He can't make up his butt. This man is a trash bag. I don't I don't get it. I don't know either. And then Kevin also told Dana to quit the agency and that he would help her until she found something better. And yeah. I was like, Oh no, 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 no. I listen, I don't like the idea of ever relying on someone else. Okay. No. Not I am yeah. I've always been very independent. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that that shows a level of trust in your relationship already. But also, no. Like, I can't. I can't imagine that. I am. That that horrifies me. I agree. Because then you're then you're then you're basically painted into a corner. Mm -hmm. You know, and like sometimes that's not bad. Sometimes that's not a bad place to be if you can Mm -hmm. truly trust the person that you're with. But I feel like because people tend to keep the worst secrets about themselves to themselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like it takes a lot of trust to believe that your partner is being clean with you about everything. You know, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of trust in time. And I don't know. It doesn't even really seem like she questions his intentions. Yeah. Which is both surprising to me and a little foolish for the time. Oh yeah. Like my parents got married in 1989. My stepdad is Italian and white and my mom is black. Like, Mm -hmm. I've witnessed in real time what it's like to be like both a part of an interracial family and part of an interracial couple myself. Mm -hmm. And there is still a lot of trust that you have to establish with your partner because Mm -hmm. other people will try to kind of tear your relationship apart subconsciously or consciously, you know? So it's, it's, it's crazy to me that she is so willing to put up with him. But I also think that, he understands her ambition mm-hmm. and that that for a woman in 1976 is probably a really big deal, right? Mm-hmm. That he wants her to go further. He wants her to get published. He wants to find this future where they're both successful authors. Like mm-hmm. he puts himself before her, especially in asking her to like type up his manuscripts and stuff, mm-hmm. but he is still invested in her well-being, which mm-hmm. like to me and as a woman in 2021, it's like, was that really like all women back then had to rely on is like that all it took is for mm-hmm. a guy to be like i'm mostly invested. the bars on the floor <laughs> the bars on the floor like, you know what i mean like yeah. we're, we're looking around like my man better not expect me to wash dishes just because i'm a lady right mm-hmm. like we're we're at a place where it's like you know like whatever gender that you identify as right like mm-hmm. you can be like people keep asking her like why are you walking around looking like a man like that's not a thing anymore so like there's already like kind of a a separation between what's happening in this book and what mm-hmm. happens in like our day to day but it was just wild to me to, to know that like this is 
that this like paltry excuse for a man is like good enough for this lady i know i'm just like you are so (laughs) awesome as a person yeah and she's a powerhouse yeah and just so nice and trusting of others like oh she could do so much better so much better so much better and then she finds out his family is racist yeah which like i've been there too like my my stepdad's family had a very hard time when he married my mom like Mm -hmm. it was a 10-year long ordeal in fact Mm -hmm. and like it was a lot it was painful for pretty much everybody in my family um all of us had to kind of deal with that Mm -hmm. and you know for a minute he wasn't involved with his family because he didn't want the pain and then after a while my mom was actually the one that was like listen like you can't just be apart from your family it's certainly not because of me and because of the kids that we have together so we're gonna have to try to make this work Mm -hmm. and you know through other family members trying to kind of like encourage it and to show you know that that level of like family and tolerance and love we were kind of able to get to a place that was moderately better and know Mm -hmm. these people um and be in their lives and like we are still as a family questioning whether or not it was entirely worth it because it was hard like it was a lot and so like this woman is like telling him like i am willing to go to bat for you Mm -hmm. i'm willing to jump in front of this fucking moving train for you and be invested in this relationship and i just feel like he could do more and like i get it he's willing to just like leave his family and not give a shit about what their expectations of him are right Mm -hmm. he's willing to be like i don't care my sister can come for me if she wants her best friend used to be black if she's racist she's racist because of the guy that she married and not because that's what she actually believes in Mm -hmm. which to me is kind of an excuse that's a weak excuse but people still use it to this day so like i guess i can't really like say anything about it but um it's just wild to know that like his sister has no good reason to dislike her Mm -hmm. but her family who eventually comes around right her 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 aunt and uncle that raised her Mm -hmm. they do find distaste in who she's marrying more her uncle because he feels rejected he feels like oh you didn't go for somebody who who looks like me or shares experiences with me somebody mm-hmm. that i could see eye to eye with you know what i mean and like that's something that you know i've i've i, I can i can get my head around despite it not being correct like yeah. i can understand like where he's coming from it's not blind hatred it's mm-hmm. a distrust yeah you know? well it's like i get it too it's because it's like you know as a society the point in time in which this is like that's one super uncommon and two it's like i also feel like he's coming from a place where he has dana's best interest at heart mm-hmm. you know yep. he's legitimately more so worried nothing like wrong with kevin you know but yeah, it's, it's like more about her safety yeah and i especially because she said that her mom i think right either her mm-hmm. mom or her uncle like has a breakdown in a city somewhere in california like la, la canada i think mm-hmm. and um says that like they had a really bad experience with racist people there and i guess like he admits that that's where his brother-in-law and his sister live this place that like had a horrible reputation for being you know maybe even like a sundown town it's kind of implied Mm -hmm. so you know i i can understand why her uncle would feel strongly like he has reason to Mm -hmm. whereas like kevin's family doesn't have a reason to they're just racist yeah right (laughs) yeah god so ridiculous literally and it's like also kevin doesn't even talk to his like mom at all he just talks to that one sister yeah. so it's like i even feel like for kevin it shouldn't be the biggest deal because it's not like he even seems to care about his family at all mm-hmm. so i'm like i don't know i don't know i don't like kevin <laughs> so um kevin is saying that like 
they could get married. And then once again says, uh, you, I'd let you type up all my manuscripts. And then she drops the truth bomb on us that she talks about how when she denies that she doesn't want to, like when she refuses about doing the man- manuscripts, he gets like literally angry with her. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, red flag, red flag number 87. Huge. Huge. <laughs> There's so many red flags in this relationship. Yeah. You know, it's, I think this relationship is literally founded on one single red flag. Like I don't like it at all. I agree. It's especially hard when you realize that like, she feels like she doesn't have options sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. rough to me. And she doesn't talk about anybody else she's ever been involved with. She doesn't Mm -hmm. talk about what came before Kevin or who came before Kevin. It's just him. Yeah. Which I find interesting. It also seems like she doesn't really have friends. Yeah. You know? She's isolated. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes it worse. It does. It's so bizarre. Yeah. So Kevin's like, hey, how about uh, we just go to Vegas and pretend we don't have relatives and get married? Like, yeah, that's what everyone wants to hear. (laughs) Super romantic. Thanks. Yeah, you're like, awesome. I love that. Thank you. Like, I, I will say, I just, I feel like for some people, getting married in Vegas is, like, a cool thing. Like, I'm all for elopements, because I kind of want to get eloped. I don't know if I want my whole family and extended family and everybody there. Like, that seems like a lot for me. Sure. Kind of into it. Also, money. So, mm-hmm. but, like, Dana didn't even get a proposal. And now, mm-hmm. she doesn't get to have her family at this wedding. Right. And it doesn't seem like she really had a choice at all in this he just was like said it and she was like okay yeah so she symbolically like signs away her life to this other man you Mm -hmm. know what i mean because like i mean marriage obviously is supposed to be a partnership and a union Mm -hmm. rather than a transaction but like because he put so much focus on you know her skills as a typist and stuff it Mm -hmm. feels transactional unfortunately especially with a lack of proposal yeah. And I just feel like um she she I feel like she accepts Vegas because she doesn't have like a mom or dad, like her parents are dead. Mm-hmm. And she recognizes there's really not much she can do to change her uncle's mind. Mm-hmm. So she's just like shrug, okay, fine, let's just go. Um to me though, what I think is so telling though is is the symbolism of what they find when they get home. I don't want to say too much. Yeah. Well, I'm immediately going to that next note is when they get home, uh, she has a check from the Atlantic because her story made it and she got a blunder from her best friend. Right. And like, so we know that she has a best friend. Mm -hmm. No other mention of her though, or them, excuse me, Mm because we don't even know if it's a man or a woman or someone who identifies as either. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I don't know if the blender is supposed to be symbolic of like the blending of the two of them. I'm trying not to like get too crazy about reading into stuff, but like the fact that like she comes home after he's harassing her to like help him with his project and therefore taking time away from her own, if we're Mm going to be honest, right? Like she comes home from getting married and basically signing herself away Mm -hmm. to this man to find out that like she is as good as she thought and she Mm -hmm. was published. Mm -hmm. And published in like a nice magazine, not published in like some trash. You know what I'm saying? Like in a great publication i know so it, it very much felt like you know in like a movie where like right as the killers like not the killer let's say let's say right when the hero comes to save her 
the damsel in distress the damsel in distress already like signed an agreement with the mm-hmm. villain yeah that's that's what that's i'm what getting it's like to you right yeah because <laughs> like he's not great i not. we're halfway through this book at this point mm-hmm. and i have not seen a single redeeming quality of this man yeah because like all he's really got is that he loves her but it's kind of un unfounded as to like what it is about her that he loves because it's like yeah. does he love her typing skills does he love her body does uh-huh. he love her mind does he love how brilliant she is does he love how beautiful she is mm-hmm. her you know i don't think he really does a lot of complimenting other than to say like you can do it you know yeah. which is very right. general yeah i know i can do it <laughs> what what does that mean yeah 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 i don't like this at all uh <laughs> yeah I ugh, okay. So uh, now we flash back to the present, mm-hmm. and Dana is at home, and she ended up in her bathroom. Her back is absolutely annihilated because remember when we last left off, she was getting whipped mm-hmm. in the past. Um, yeah. So absolutely horrifying. She then has to go and like clean herself up, trying to like bathe everything while like all these wounds are fresh mm-hmm. um kevin didn't make it back and in my notes i literally said which sounds like a him problem because like <laughs> here's the thing one she told him not to go okay that's true she did tell him to just like leave me don't uh-huh. touch me when i'm leaving and two he should not have left her out of his eyesight the entire yeah. time. I'm like, if you're like, oh, I'm stuck in the past. The only way I can get back is through my wife. Uh, I'm sorry. I would not, like, I don't care how lax you get. Not out of my sight the entire time. Well, this is what I'm saying, though. I think that's just a testament to mm-hmm. his overall feelings, right? Which we he, he, we kind of visited in our last, our last episode. Mm-hmm. Talking to her about, like, oh, I thought it was going to be worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that guy is like, ooh, I'm a history buff. Mm-hmm. It's so cool that I got transported back in time. I bet you anything this dude has his moleskin out and he's, like, taking notes for his next novel. Like, I swear to God. Yep. Like, that dude is, like, walking around. He's looking at the old books in the Wayland's mm-hmm. house. Like, he's spending his days reading by the fire. Like, he's not thinking about what could possibly happen to her or he would mm-hmm. be with her all the time. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, period. I will also say, too, I have a sneaking suspicion that Kevin set up tom whalen going in that house really i think so because he said something in the last chapter about making sure like to surprise her or to get her to send her to trigger this event to get her home i think he set that up because there's no reason tom should have gone in there at all agree so totally random it's completely random he doesn't want to be in there and Some- they even they even establish like mm-hmm. but Butler and the rest of the enslaved people there, mm-hmm. like especially Sarah, they underscore that he never comes out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he walked in there with a purpose on a hunt. Yeah. He didn't casually stroll in. No one just slams a door open if they're casually strolling in. Okay, True. they like slowly open a door. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and especially Tom Whalen, who has servants. So that he doesn't have to walk anywhere, you know. Right. No reason for him to be in there at all, and especially in the cookhouse. Yeah. Why would he be where the cooking is? He would be more likely to like be outside near the fields. Yeah. 
he would be in the cookhouse. Like the only other people that are in that cookhouse are either people who are going to help Sarah mm-hmm. or people who are in there, like like enslaved people that are eating. Like that's yeah, it. yeah. So I told I you know I I agree with you. I don't know if it was like Kevin. I I would love to find out. Mm-hmm. I like that there are moments in this book where you have to like wait to find out who did something, and then yeah. you finally do get that payoff. So I'm hoping that we get that payoff. Hope at the end they get a divorce because like oh my god. <laughs> so bad oh but i'm that's what my theory is okay i think kevin set this all up i think he set it into action um as but that's why i think that was a hidden problem because i'm telling you right now if i found out i would be like i don't know what the easiest way to like you know like those kid toddler leashes Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of situation (laughs) we're gonna be like tied together i don't care how with like one of those like bungee strings for cats you know what i mean like yeah so we can like kind of get apart but like it's gonna be annoying yeah (laughs) we're gonna be right next to each other the whole time (laughs) because like if i'm not holding your hand we're gonna be connected in some way i don't care how that way is yeah i feel that in my bones that's too scary yeah no i'm not like he mm-hmm. never even took responsibility for going back in time with her either. She's like, why did you do this? He's like, eh, eh. Like, he doesn't really have, like, a reaction at all. Literally. Literally. This dude could have died, like, yeah. of, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going through. Like, syphilis? I don't know. Anything. 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 A paper cut. Yeah. Like, literally anything could kill you back then. Right? Dog bite. Anything. This man's lucky that he's already defeated the common cold. Like. Seriously. And then he has vaccines. Yeah. Like, that's crazy to me. One of the things that, like, really struck me, though, like, as she's kind of wondering where he is, like, she's wondering what happened to him. She's wondering if he's okay. Meanwhile, he's a white guy in the 1800s. He's fine. Yeah. Um, But she's like, what's going to happen to him? Is he all right? Whatever, right? And then, like, her attention turns to herself just barely. For, like, like, she's crying. Yeah, she's, like, crying into this, like, bloody water that Mm -hmm. she's, like, sitting in in the bathtub. She can't even, she can't even take her shirt off Mm -hmm. because, like, some of the, some of the, some of the blood has dried and wounds have already started to kind of scab over. Yeah. And it's stuck to her shirt. And she says something about, you know, her wounds soften under the water. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's actually something she goes on to say in this chapter. Two or three more times she mentions someone's wounds have to soften or my wounds Mm -hmm will soften with water or whatever right Mm -hmm. and like to me it's so harsh to read that because i feel like the purpose of us going through time with dana is that she has a certain amount of awareness of herself and of her relationship Mm -hmm. but she doesn't have the full story right so this is giving her the full story and full insight into not just her own family but how things were back then like at this point in time nobody wanted to it's kind of like what we're going through right now right like in the 60s, people threw rocks at black children that were trying to go to school with them. Now those people are 55, 60 years old, and they don't want their grandchildren and their children to know that they threw rocks at black people in 1965, right? Yeah. So, like, it's kind of something similar, I feel like, for, for this for this environment, is that, like, she's... It's 1976, right? A lot has happened. There's been a lot of progress in the world, but also not a lot of progress, as we now know, right? Yeah. Um, and... She's trying to kind of like reconcile this knowledge of slavery, right? And again, like schools didn't really teach that because it's a national shame, you know, mm-hmm. just like, you know, it's, it's hard to have a conversation about something that like people are still profiting off of today. Like anyone who owns any kind of plantation land, you know, there's plantation weddings, there's towns called plantation, like we, we're yeah. still very much living in this 
this antebellum environment where slavery was definitely a thing that happened, but people don't want to talk about it because they're afraid it's going to be divisive instead of recognizing that like it can help mend wounds, right? Um, wounds tend to soften over time, whether you want them to or not. And if you pay attention to them and you listen to the history that goes along with those wounds and the trauma that went along with those wounds, you stand to gain progress from it. Right. Mm -hmm. But like with this, there's no progress to be gained. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like she's doing everything she can to intervene with Rufus and doesn't yet know if she's even cracked the surface. You know what I mean? Like she's doing all of this work to try and, you know, fix the mess that someone else made at another time that has now affected her life in a serious, like, like life or death, like a mortal kind of way, you know? And, you know, she's talking about the softening of her wounds and she's like laying there in the bathtub and it doesn't even occur to her to wash her hair. Like she's still not really thinking about herself. She's reflecting on what's happened to her mm -hmm. and wondering when she's going to go back. Like she's already, like she's already trying to plot her next move to mm -hmm. like get, Kevin back to talk to Rufus again like she has open wounds on her back and I think it's also important too because I think a lot of people sometimes downplay slavery mm -hmm. they're like oh well there was room and board these people were kept fed they had clothes yeah. you know what I mean like that's like that's fine like that's better than you know what is the alternative like forcing people to work for you and not giving them a place to stay and sleep and not giving them clothes so that they get sick and die and then you can't force them to work for you like hello yeah you know I mean? people want to like maybe try to be reasonable about this subject and i think for her when she like talks about how she saw she's she's seen pictures of slaves with you know um with with marks on their backs and you know all these keloids and these thick scars that are really ugly and she comments on how like her husband you know used to comment on how soft and smooth her skin was and now she's forever changed Mm -hmm. by what she experienced you know what I mean at the Whalen house and it's like for the first time because I mean I have I have an even more detached understanding of of slavery as a black American in 2021 you know what I mean like that was mm -hmm. a like genuinely lifetimes ago for me even though that's not really that long you know what I mean there mm -hmm. are still people alive whose moms were slaves so just barely but still like we're not that far away from it so she's taking like what she knew to be true before she had this experience, all these pictures she saw of people that have been victimized and then kind of like reconciling that with her own experience and like looking in the mirror at her body and how broken it is and knowing what she went through just one time, mm -hmm. let alone multiple times over a lifetime. And I think that that's, there's so much gravity and weight to that. Like this, like, like in, in my opinion, one of the things that Butler is so good at in this book is like, providing you with like a drop of water and having that be able to like nourish your entire body. You know what I mean? In analyses, like she's like, here is a smattering of six sentences. And you're like, Oh my God, my life is over. This is so traumatic to read. You yeah. know what I mean? Like she really like packs it in. I think this is really pointed out too, when she talks to Sarah later in this chapter, mm -hmm. uh, like when she's finally starting to like reconcile, like I think it's easy for a lot of us when we learn about like slavery in mm -hmm. like middle school and high school and stuff uh, to be like, well, why didn't they just all run away? Right. And I think that Dana still had that perception. Absolutely. And then like, she finally is living it and she's like, Oh, this is not as easy as anticipated. And it's like reading this in a narrative form instead of out of like a textbook mm -hmm. is really kind of, it's, opening like it opens your eyes in a very different way yeah you know what i mean like it's instead of just like thinking of it like 
figuratively you're mm-hmm. like oh this like literally like this allows you to attach a person to these kinds of events absolutely and like so for me i've read a lot of just in my studies in general mm-hmm. i've read a lot of like slave narratives right which mm-hmm. are firsthand accounts from people who either told their story to somebody who could write or against all odds learned how to write mm-hmm. and I can definitely say that like those are chilling to read like the yeah. autobiography of Frederick Douglass is a hard read um, reading like any of it any of it all of it it's it's traumatic it's traumatizing when you read it it's hard mm-hmm. but like it's different reading a firsthand account because that is one person's experience right mm-hmm. when you have somebody that is a third party that is watching all of this go on right that's to me when it becomes more profound like this is a deeply humanizing portrait mm-hmm of slavery you know what mm-hmm. i mean and like there's a lot of work that has been done um to talk about things like that especially as time goes on and we mm-hmm. have fewer and fewer people to ask you know what i mean now we have nobody that was a slave once upon a time we have mm-hmm. sharecroppers sure but no one that was actually a slave during slavery like we don't have anybody to talk to about that anymore so mm-hmm. now all we really have are like studies and firsthand accounts and charters and things like that that we can pull information from to come mm-hmm. up with these um and what i think i found the most interesting like about all of this and about the tale that she's telling is is the fact that again like she's giving like she's raising old ghosts mm-hmm. that aren't really that old yeah and drawing a very sharp parallel mm-hmm. between what's going on in the 1970s and what's going on in that book and like as we continue to talk because i mean i know we have much more to cover mm-hmm. but like as we continue to talk like there was a lot that i read that was a direct parallel and a direct commentary to what's going on even now in 2021 for sure so i i think it's so impactful like i really do i always talked about this when i was going through like you know my k through 12 years Mm -hmm. i really wish that you know they would have connected english and history more oh yeah you know like it's so people are way more sympathetic and more understanding when they have stories and firsthand accounts to go through and like for me i i got i mean i got uk history so Mm -hmm. like i learned about world war one and world war two and i could not tell you a single thing that happens because it's a textbook and textbooks do not read like anything that i want to remember like it's just straight fact it's like a list of facts yeah Yeah. it's like a listicle and i don't Mm -hmm. care you know Mm -hmm. but instead like if you got stories like this it's so much easier and like people empathize and you know they want to actually learn and it's more of a cautionary tale of history and why you shouldn't repeat it right instead of like trying to cover up history like they were trying to do a couple years ago and probably are still trying to do um definitely you know people are like losing their minds over critical race theory and it's like critical race theory is just telling the full story Mm -hmm. of america Right. And like anybody who, in my opinion, anyway, this is obviously all me. And Mm -hmm. I mean, someone please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the most patriotic thing you could possibly do for your country is to admit that your country was wrong Mm -hmm. and show how they how it could be better and how it's trying to be right. Mm -hmm. Like evolution and advancement to me are the markers of a successful civilization. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't evolve, then you die. There's tons of civilizations that are beneath the seas that are you know have fallen to ruins right like our country is extremely young compared to everybody else's country for the Mm -hmm. most part you know what i mean and in the world um compared to many countries and we have been fighting other forces external forces as well as each other 
for a long time, like yeah. since the inception of it, right? Like that's how it was made. Like literally we are, you know, around the Thanksgiving time now that we are talking, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's literally what the holiday is about, is about the, the taking of our country from mm -hmm. the steward, the original stewards of that, of, of our land. So, you know, like, I think that the further away we get, like, I agree with you, the further away that you get, like, the harder it is to even kind of sympathize mm -hmm. with people. So like, even now, right, you have people that have done this work of trying to undermine and um, kind of undercut the importance of what happened 100 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Between now and 100 years ago, how life was, how life has progressed for Black people, whatever. Is it a triumph that we had a Black president? Yes. Is it a triumph that that Black president had racist people try to block every single thing that he tried to do at every turn? No, that's not okay. But like nobody wants to act like it's racism because mm -hmm. then that's going to make everybody else kind of get called into question. It's almost like a lie that everybody is trying to perpetuate so they don't have to look at their own behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, I have a friend that didn't even know her parents were racist until I tried to visit their home one day. And she was like, oh, well, I didn't know that. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? You just didn't know. Like, you thought that things were fine. You thought, oh, but this couldn't be how my family mm -hmm. is. You know what I mean? Because you think that they're better than that. And it's hard because, again, that's what happened to my dad. My dad was like, of course they're not going to mind that the love of my life is a beautiful deep-skinned athletic black woman of course they're not going to mind she's amazing mm -hmm. she's well read she's one of the smartest people i've ever met like he's going into it thinking things are going to be great maybe they won't like it but they'll get over it mm -hmm. and they didn't yeah for, for almost 10 years or longer so like you see what i mean so it's like it's like you everybody i think for a long time has thought well we can move past it but you can't move past it when everything you're doing each day is trying to undermine it undercut it and pretend like it wasn't that big of a deal mm-hmm absolutely yep yeah ah the world <laughs> anyways back into more kindred mm -hmm. uh, so speaking of dana just being worried about kevin she's like what if he went west and i'm like good for him get out of there i don't care <laughs> again Maybe I'll get killed on the frontier. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sounds like, once again, him problem. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, for sure. Get this man out of here. I don't care. <laughs> People are like, wow, Rachel, that's so mean and cold hearted. Good. Good. <laughs> Read the book. You will not feel bad anymore. I think everybody listening to this podcast is also letting this be a Kevin Hate podcast. Unless he does something super redeemable at the end. And then everyone's going to be like, you just wait. Blah, blah, blah. and i'm gonna get like emails when this comes out and everyone's gonna be like i can't believe you hated kevin i hate kevin listen this man is gonna have to be fucking santa claus uh -huh. traveling on a sleigh giving kids presents mm -hmm. including ones that don't believe in him yeah all across everywhere in this entire globe for me to be like maybe he's not so bad yeah he's gonna have to like campaign for something amazing yeah. give free universal health care to all those yeah. in need and then yeah. also rehome a bunch of school children and yeah. then save puppies and kiss their little heads for me to yep. be like you know what kevin maybe not the worst maybe not so bad maybe not all. so bad and the maybe <laughs> is like a harsh maybe okay agree like even even then you keep one eye open right yeah, yeah. like if he went to therapy at the end i would be like perfect you know what actually agree. okay Cool. Yeah. I can't behind Trying to this. fix that mental health. Good job, mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. You have a superiority complex that you're not even good at hiding. Yeah. It's fragile masculinity. <laughs> a little too high. A little too high for me. Oh, so fragile. Very fragile. Very toxic. Not a fan. No. Not a fan. No. So 
yeah, with all that in mind, I will just continue to roast Kevin. <laughs> As I should, truly. Um, but yeah, Dana's like, I'm worried he's not going to be there waiting for me when I get back. Which, again, if your wife was the only person that could get you back to the year 1976, I won... I don't care if she's gone for one year. I don't care if she's gone for 50 years. I am not leaving. I would have a home on the like literal outside, like property yep. line, watching yep. binoculars every single day to see <laughs> just in case if she comes back. There's no indoor plumbing in the, the antebellum South. Nope. I don't want to be there. I do. I don't care how long it takes. I am getting back to the year I came from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. Agree. And like Kevin's agree. Like, There's I need no to other look way. for work. Blah, blah, blah. We're not, we'll get into that. I have more more roast session <laughs> in moment, momentarily. Give me a moment. We'll get there. Uh, so after Dana comes out of the shower, she's like, you know, she probably put a long dress on, looks in her closet. I don't have a long dress. Which, like, honestly, I read that and I was like, how do you have a long dress? And then I looked in my closet. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I was like, what could I wear if I went back to slavery? I have like one dress from anthropology mm-hmm. that is brown. It has brown, uh, it's a brown plaid dress, yeah. but it has like a, a cutout across the boobs mm. to show off if you have a little bit of cleavage on. Yeah. And like it's only non-form fitting when you don't like wear the little matching belt. And I was like, I can't wear this. And it's short. It's not even a long dress. The yeah. longest dress I have is a rainbow dress. You can't wear can't that. Wear that. <laughs> i yeah i have one that's like looser fitting long sleeve comes like uh like crew neck ish um but it's like right at the knee level and i was like mm-hmm. i can't do that <laughs> and i yeah i don't have anything else to wear like have you seen um bridget jones diary yes yeah i would look like bridget jones <laughs> the entire time like in my little like leather jacket skinny jeans oh my god yeah because again i put a cute outfit on for thanksgiving with my family because uh-huh. you know i haven't seen them in a couple weeks and i was like trying to look nice for everybody uh-huh. uh and my nice jeans are jeans that have holes in the knees because that's how i felt cute sure i <laughs> if i got teleported back in time and my nice jeans someone would try and patch yeah. them for me they would and they'd also be like why are they so skinny why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why first of all you have very long hair for a man yeah second of all <laughs> give me your pants so i can patch them yeah i'm also gonna let the bottoms out so that your ankles can breathe there we go i mean <laughs> the only good thing is that i have like my facial features i think i could get away with looking like a man if i just shaved my head i think i I can make it happen i think that every single woman put in this position would be like surely i can pass as a man i know i I don't have to wear makeup i'll be fine i know Mm -hmm. there's one point where dana's like yeah i put my hair up under a hat it wasn't that long anyway i was like (laughs) must be nice because I have to like do all kinds of crazy stuff to my giant poof to put that under any hat. Yeah. It's not going away quietly. Luckily, too, I have like what I would consider to be almost a little bit of a deeper voice for a woman. You Same. know? So yep. I feel like if they look didn't look too, too hard. Yeah. 
and I just could grab a hold of some scissors real quick, <laughs> I might be able to make it happen. Okay. Convincing enough to be left alone. Yeah. Convincing enough that it was like if I was walking alone at night. They think twice. Yeah, I changed yeah. my gait a little. I mean, yeah. I am pretty tall, so I think I think I I I could I, I would try. I would at least try. You know, yeah, that's that's my problem. I'm only five six. They'd be like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you so scrawny?" And yeah. I'd be like, huh, "I'm obviously the toughest man you've met yet." I mean, I'm five seven ish. No, but you look tall though. You're yeah, tall. I'm also like. I arm wrestle, so I'm a little like built out in the shoulders, you know. So I, like, I would, I would definitely like see that like you know bodybuilding bro at the gym, and I'd start yeah. walking like that. Like I take up way too much space, you know. You rotated the hip the whole time you're walking. Listen, you would be fine until they were like, "You're a white man. Help us tie up this black person." And then and you'd I'd be like, like, "Oh, right. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not." So I'm a lady. Yeah, ladies can't tie things up. So. I, I know like, my hair is short. I know my hair is short, and I'm wearing pants. But I'm a lady, and I can't be tying people up. I feel like so. the worst part too is, is I'd be like, "Oh no, we got loose! Oh no, <laughs> what are we gonna do? We gonna I do? can't run. I can't run. Both my ankles are broken. I got a bum knee. Oh, that knee's bum too. <laughs> <laughs> my hips don't work. They don't lie. Sorry. I don't, uh, I, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> This lady really does take it in stride, though. I think I probably would have died the second that I got back there. I would like oh. somebody would have walked up to me and been like, "N-word, what are you about?" And I would have been like, "Fuck you." Yeah. And then it. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I my stop and process was a lot better than what I would do because, yeah, you know, yeah. I I think the second someone said that about another person, because be I like, hold on, because I well, one, I'm obviously a white woman. Two, I am aggressive and angry. So, um, if someone, if I heard someone say that, my fist would be flying before I could even rationally think yeah. about my surroundings. Like yeah. it's, it's not a. I'm not saying it's a good habit, but I'm also saying that I would have very quickly been found out that I wasn't supposed to be there. Yes, yes, very obvious. But again, I feel like part of that is because of. The difference between 1976 and 2021 mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. like we have like she wasn't this lady is still burning bras like that's the that's the, the year she's in right mm -hmm. equal rights amendment and stuff like she's still like she's still you know compared to where we think we are mm -hmm. she's in the dark ages still like the yeah. 70s was like a whole other ass time right so like for her she is being progressive mm -hmm. just sticking up for herself is progressive to her yeah which is wild <laughs> to me yeah, right? Like, I'm just like, oh, you don't cause a scene? Because I'm causing a scene. How do you do anything other than cause a scene? Right? Like, yeah, I don't have much going for me right now. So. <laughs> I can afford it. Yeah, I can afford it. Like, you know, what's a little <laughs> bit of lawyer fees, right? I don't. Eh. Can be done. Yeah. Can be done. I'll beat the rap. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not back then, though. Back then, they're like, well, we have these dogs that we're going to have chase you down until they eat you alive. And you're like, all right. I guess I'll shut the fuck up then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's go, Dana, for honestly having critical thinking skills because obviously Listen. I don't have them. Listen, she looked around and was like, I'm going to be a little quieter. Yeah. Hmm. I was like, man, so well adjusted. I know. I honestly, in my job, there's been a couple instances where Daniel's been like pretty surprised that I've been able to bite my tongue as loud as possible, as long as possible. And mm -hmm. I'm like, 
oh buddy i'm three seconds away you don't even know you don't (laughs) even know i'm trying not to act out yeah don't look at me (laughs) so dana's trying to eat and get cleaned up she packed another go bag because of course she lost hers uh Mm -hmm. when that you know catastrophe hit uh and then officially we are past now one day of her being home right so even though she was stuck in the past for two months she officially uh like realizes that it's only been like mere minutes since she's officially like been gone so there's no correlation yeah that's kind of convenient for her like that's nice like it's convenient in one sense because like she's not missing huge swaths of time mm-hmm. in her own life, but at the same time it's horrifying. Yeah, because she never knows what she's gonna find. Like at least if the time was like equal, so like you know maybe she's you know mm-hmm. having like two months in this place and then a month in her time, mm-hmm. right? She's gone or whatever, and she can kind of like do an equation to figure out exactly what she's mm-hmm. missing. But like instead, it's because it's not even like it's not even like there's a basic equivalent because she kind of remarks on that how like when she had left the first time she was gone for like a couple of minutes. She was there for a couple of minutes and it was mere seconds mm-hmm. where she was right in real life. And then the second time she's gone, um, she's there for two months mm-hmm. and it actually ends up feeling more like, um, I think she said it's like, like a couple of hours yeah, or like half a day or something like that. Right. So she's like, okay, two months is like half a day or a few hours. Mm-hmm. So this time, how long has it been? And she's back to a couple of seconds being missed, Mm -hmm. but she's been there for a while. You know what I'm saying? So every time she goes, I feel like time messes with her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How long she's been away versus like when she, like where she like lands in Rufus's life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's no correlation between how long she's gone and how long she stayed. I will say that it's lucky though, that it doesn't seem to be super long spans of time because like in the modern day, like her family would find probably file like missing person reports. Yeah. You know, and she'd miss mortgage payments and stuff like that. Like important things in her life that she has to take care of so that Absolutely. you know she can keep the home and the life she has to come back to. Otherwise she wouldn't have right. anything. Right. She'd have absolutely nothing. Yeah. So uh Dana ends up calling her cousin and is like, Hey, could you bring some groceries over? But when the cousins come over, the cousin comes over, she sees bruises and she assumes Kevin was the cause. And it's like Dana didn't really correct her. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Because I feel like in a roundabout way, like Kevin's a player in this. And Mm -hmm. like, it's too much work for Dana to, you know, excuse away, like, and explain what's actually happening. And I, I think it's interesting that she didn't fight for Kevin. Like, yeah, I think she's subconsciously hurt by the fact that he came with her. Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i think too that like part of it is that you know as women like we tend to keep each other's secrets right Mm -hmm. like when someone is in an abusive situation Mm -hmm. um your first instinct is to jump in Mm -hmm. right and to like try to save that person but a lot of people are not ready to leave Mm -hmm. that abusive situation you know what i'm saying they're not they don't have the 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 like a mental and emotional stability Mm -hmm. To be able to go, okay, I can come up with a plan. Yeah. Because they're so deeply ingrained in their trauma. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I thought I think the way that she phrased it too, like I never thought you would be fool enough to let a man beat you. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's like, Yeah, me either. And yeah. like you realize that this is like 
she's experiencing this duality of of of, of presence right mm-hmm. she's this person that's tough she's strong she's intelligent she's brilliant right mm-hmm. she knows how to do a whole host of shit because of like the awesome jobs that she's had mm-hmm. no matter how menial they seemed at the time like she's learned a lot right mm-hmm. in her in her weird temp her temping or whatever but like she's beat like through through no no control of her own you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. like so when someone hits her it's because they chose to do that and that's the same with anybody mm-hmm. you know no woman even in a domestic violence situation lets herself get yeah hit, lets herself get beaten by a man now i mean you can retaliate and you can kill that person mm-hmm. or you can die trying you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like you can fight back but i don't know any woman that like walks into that and is like yeah this is fine you know what i'm saying yeah. so like even the way they're talking about it i feel like it's a parallel for the way that she kind of the way that dana felt about slavery mm-hmm. you know what i mean like why would people allow this mm-hmm. how did this happen mm-hmm. right because we know that it happened but a lot of people i mean even kanye west like 2 years ago was like oh at some point you choose slavery which is insane yeah um and I think that, like, that's kind of what this book does. Like, again, we were talking about human humanizing mm-hmm. that slave narrative and the story of people who experience slavery firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's exactly what this is doing. Because, again, like, none of those people chose that life. Yeah. None of them chose to be cramped in a, a disgusting, filthy, crowded vessel mm-hmm. for, you know, three and a half weeks to months at a time to go wherever it is somebody else decided to take you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was traumatic. The whole thing was horrifying and shocking and scary like basically hundreds of thousands of people were kidnapped Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i i felt like you know her conversation with with her cousin and then even even her thoughts like when she goes outside and she sees her neighbor planting in her garden and she reminds her of margaret wayland right Mm -hmm. like i feel like that's kind of an allegory or metaphor for um maybe not allegory but you know a metaphor for um that duality Mm -hmm. you know what i mean where her reality isn't like no one, no one else understands her reality. Her reality is wholly different. And sometimes, as a Black American, like I've absolutely felt that way. We're like, you know, all my all my coworkers are like, "Wow, Juneteenth? Did you hear about this new holiday?" And I'm like, "I mean, it's not new." Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, Candace, did you know there was a Black national anthem? I'm like, yeah. I did. You know what I mean? Like I like it it feels like you're in the twilight zone sometimes because you're like, doesn't everybody know? Like, you know, even even like whenever there's, you know, a trial, like a big case Mm -hmm. that's out there or something. Right. Like when someone asks me, oh, were you surprised that this crazy person, you know, didn't get any jail time? Were you surprised that like the the, that the man who murdered George Floyd, right, is going to jail? Mm -hmm. The answer is yes. I did not expect justice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there are a lot of people who can't understand that. Like even, you know, my Italian stepdad has a hard time because he tends to be optimistic that justice is going to be done. Mm -hmm. But I have no reason to believe justice is going to be done because I've seen my ancestors not have any justice. I have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have to out myself for a second uh, because my lack of knowledge really quick. Uh, I was planning my social calendar for a job I had. And mm-hmm. I'm looking through all the American holidays, trying to make sure that I have them all written down, you know. Mm-hmm. And I happened to see Juneteenth, and I didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. So sure. I turned to my black coworker, and I said, "Because who happened to be also like my co coworker, like we did mm-hmm. the same stuff, you know?" And I said, "Hey, do you happen to know what June- Juneteenth is?" And she looked at me really weird and was like, "Yeah, I do." And I was like well you know what is it and she's like you should probably just google that one and yeah. i was like okay it's a lot and i was like you know la 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 and then like you google it and i was like oh my god like first yeah. of all one i looked 
horrible in that moment being like hey you know i felt like i was like you know when you ask uh people of a culture to be basically google for you it felt like that Mm -hmm. moment but i was doing that unconsciously and i felt real bad about it real bad and i like she up and quit like days later after that moment and so i've never been able to be like hey sorry and build like an actual like rapport with her and it's too late now it's been like two years but like i think about that all the time yeah listen i think that that that's I mean, the fact that that is a moment that you remember Mm -hmm. means that, like, you gave a shit. And I think that that really means something because a lot of people just kind of have that moment and then they don't even go look it up on Google. It haunts me. And, like, I've I've had to kind of be that person Mm -hmm. in many situations that is, you know, the replacement for actual research. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not easy because you realize that that person's only talking to you because they care about what you specifically think, not necessarily because they care about this item you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and for you like you're someone who genuinely cares yeah. right so like hopefully that girl at least through i don't know because you know, i only got context clues was like yeah you must give a shit you know <laughs> i mean it's obviously for her it's probably not a formative experience but like for me that right. was a very formative experience like there's yeah. been a couple times in my life where my lack of knowledge is really like shown up as like an adult and i'm like it's i remember every single instance of it like people don't have to jog my memory it is very formative and i will not forget about it yeah and that was one of those I moments like, I, f- I feel like that's honestly a good thing i hope so um but it embarrasses because me. It, it makes it makes you more curious and there are a lot of people out there that like to kind of downplay what happened mm-hmm. right like whenever i talk about like slavery right and people are like oh well who cares it was such a long time ago and i'm like but you realize like we're still living in mm-hmm. this like we're still living in this like black people have always kind of had to exist in two different planes of existence right like that's just that's just how mm-hmm. it is um it's why there's code switching yeah you know what i mean it's why there are black neighborhoods that's why there are hbcus mm-hmm. and like a lot of people now are like oh how dare you have an hbcu what you only want to go to school with other black people and it's like like i think it was princeton or harvard like one of those like yale one of the one of the big you know mm-hmm. um ivy league institutions had uh their black students on campus say that they wanted you know, black housing, Mm -hmm. that they wanted an area for black people to be able to go and live Mm -hmm. there. And I remember reading it and reading people being like really frustrated by that, like, oh, this is segregation, this is racism, Mm -hmm. like white people saying like, why would you want that? See, they want separatism. And it's not that anybody wants Mm -hmm. separatism. It's that's how they can live best. Yeah, They're on a campus where I'm sure half the kids are telling them that they're only there because of affirmative action, not because they're actually smart and on their own merits. I know that because people used to tell me that all the time growing up, that I was going to go to school for free Mm -hmm. and, you know, be able to do whatever I want and take jobs from people and all this nonsense that they were hearing from their parents. And it's hard. Like even now, like I remember growing up and having to have conversations with my mom about how I can and cannot act in public. Mm -hmm. Right. Like make sure that you don't say this, make sure you do say that, make sure you're always polite, make sure Mm -hmm. if somebody calls you the N word, you just come and find me and you, you tell me about it and I'll take care of it. You don't get upset. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get upset. Like you don't get upset because my mom was worried that if I got, you know, if I defended myself, that somebody would accuse me of something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, like, you've got these black people. And, like, again, not every single black person is walking around every day going, oh, Jim's, Jim Crow. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But it comes – it does come up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, having to work a full day finding out that, like, a police officer murdered somebody in broad daylight mm-hmm. and people are actually considering that perhaps it was the person who's murdered's fault. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of trauma 
like that happens. You know what I mean? And then you go to work and you try to talk to your coworkers about it and your coworkers are blissfully unaware. They're blissfully ignorant. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, I don't see you like that. You would never get held up. And I'm like, actually, I have been held at gunpoint by a police officer and was almost shot for apparently not complying despite I had my hands on my head. I asked before I moved. Mm -hmm. Like, I did everything by the book. I looked as about as non-threatening as I could possibly look. Mm -hmm. I had pigtails in my hair. I had a party outfit on. Like, I did not look like somebody that was there to, like, wreck a police officer in the middle of the street you know what i mean in the bad part of town Mm -hmm. but all she saw was a black person like she didn't she didn't look at the car she didn't look at my license that would have shown her that i had been driving for nine days she didn't you know what i mean like she didn't she didn't like take anything in she just made an assumption about me so then like i have to carry that weight Mm -hmm. you know no one else carries that weight but me and i'm just sitting there with it and the next time someone talks about how like maybe george floyd or philando castile or sandra bland should have complied Mm -hmm. I get to dig back into my trauma and dig back into that ridiculous moment and have a kind of a nervous breakdown for a second because I did everything right. And I still found myself in that position. I'm educated. Mm-hmm. I was in college getting my second degree yeah, because I had time to because I like aced all my classes. Like it shouldn't have happened to me when you think about mm-hmm. like the statistics of who that happens to. But that just goes to show you that it can happen to anybody. The only commonality is that we're all black people. Yeah. So, you know, like – People, you know, I feel like Dana is is in this place where she's dealing with and embracing the change and advancement of 1976. She has a white husband, mm-hmm. for Christ's sake, right? She is a published author. She is a free woman. She's independent, mm-hmm. fiercely so, right? Didn't even really think marriage was for her. Like, we've got this narrative of this woman that is extremely modern, and yet it's bumping up against this, this other reality that she has mm-hmm. that other people can't recognize and cannot see that she carries around, you know, privately. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I also felt like it's wow. like also that moment was a little bit of foreshadowing of like what we're going to be dealing with, with Kevin. Like, absolutely. you know, a lot of this is going to get blamed on Kevin. Yeah. I don't care if it does, <laughs> but also, Oh, well, Oh, well, Oh, the horror, the white man getting them down. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't the same story we've heard so many times before. <laughs> Literally, though. I'm just like, geez. Oh, the horror. Oh, the pain. Anyways, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> but I, I wonder if it's a little bit of foreshadowing mm-hmm. in some ways, just because, like, she's going to look start looking a lot worse. And yeah. well, yeah. there's no one else home with them. There's literally yeah. no one else. They don't go to any stores. So no. I'm actually happy though that she did bring up like that contrast with when she brought up Gone with the Wind when she was like because she's like looking through her home for like all of her like slavery yeah. books and all her like accounts that she might have mm-hmm. or whatever. Which like again, like that really got me because like I know in my house I have all kinds of like slave narratives, mm-hmm. autobiography of Malcolm X. Like I've got all kinds of like black people literature in my home tons of tony morrison mm-hmm. and i know if you go to like the average library of a person you're not going to find all of this black stuff because yeah. they're not black and they don't they don't really think about it but for me like it's integral to my experience mm-hmm. right so i have a ton of that in my home and like that's exactly what i would do i'm the first thing if this happened to me i would be like i need all of the black history books i was thinking <laughs> about <are> literally <laughs> if i looked at my library and i was like okay i need something like all I have is like a lot of like fantasy by black authors. Like I have nothing of like, what is, nothing's going to help me here. You know, listen, 
You take your N.K. Jameson book and you figure out how to multiply that magical realism. In I know. I was like, that's what you I, do. I'm like, I'm just going to hold them and pray. Like at that point, I don't know what else to do. Oh my God. You know, like yeah. I'm glad I have the Libby app on my phone, I guess. Cause like, that's the only yep. thing that's going to get me through here. Obviously. Yep. I'm just, yeah. yeah I don't know what like I do. I, I was so grateful for that line, though, mm-hmm. because, like, I can't tell you how many people get, like, offended when I tell them that I'm not interested in ever watching Gone with the Wind. It's... I saw Gone with the Wind because Hattie McDaniel was the first black person to ever win an Academy yeah. Award, and I needed to, like, understand it. But the idea that, like, the first black person to win an Academy Award did so by playing, like, a bowing and scraping subservient mammy mm-hmm. is extremely telling of our society let me tell opinion. you when i found out what gone with the wind like i was reading gone with the wind in public okay you know how i don't read the backs of any books right yes yeah uh-huh. so i was reading gone with the wind in public in like a oh, park honey. oh no when i found out what it was about and i immediately yeah. was like and you're like looking around like i started then instead of like normally i read a book like this i had it on my lap so you couldn't see what i was actually reading i was like i am so embarrassed but like at this point i it's already like settled in you know i'm like what if like a dark trench coat and glasses i, know, I was on. like should i get up like should i leave should i go? i was like i'm like probably in this moment, i was like i'm the problem okay because you know it's first of all i'm just a like white girl sitting on a bench at a beautiful park there's many like i i live in a rather diverse area so there's like yeah. everyone's around you know and right. it's like a beautiful fall day at the point i'm reading this so there's like everybody's <laughs> there i was like oh my god like i need to go i need to get out of here and i at the, i'm also like waiting for daniel to arrive so i'm like what are people gonna think when i'm just sitting here <laughs> reading kind of the wind while i'm waiting for my boyfriend to show up so we can go longboarding like listen he shows up and they're like that black man doesn't know what he's in for. i'm like and it's like i <laughs> like also keep in mind this is like the height of like this was right before covid so like it was like mm-hmm. after get out came out too like i re- okay. i distinctly remember those like those being very close in time and i'm like yeah. everyone i know what they're thinking you know and it's <laughs> I I don't I didn't know what to do. I was just like, yeah, should I just like stop reading? Like at this point, it's like you have to commit. You you get to that point where you're like, do I commit to this or do I try and cover up the fact of like reading this novel? Like I was like, and I was is I was so close in the beginning too. I was like, maybe it'll get better. You know, maybe no. Scarlett O'Hara will have like she'll redeem herself or something. Like she'll no, she's actually really terrible. she's horrible. And there's no yeah. love in that novel. I don't know why they're like it's a great American love story. It's not. It's, it's not. not. But I. Th- I th- but again, I think that like like I feel like Scarlett O'Hara is like the original Karen. Yeah. You know? Oh, one. Like I, I feel like I feel like women like white women were like now that's a bitch who gets things done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she fucking oh throws temper tantrums, faints all the time. Yeah. That's what we need to be doing. We're we're gonna get our way. When they're getting the haircut, they're like, "Can you give me the Scarlett O'Hara?" Like. Oh my god! Uh, we got we got to make sure we treat these black people real terrible. Yeah, as I was and that way, we'll feel better about ourselves. I can't get rid of books really either. So like, as I was putting it on my shelf, I like turned it around and stuff. I was like, "Don't look at me." <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like the one book on your shelf with the pages. Yeah, I'm like, I, uh, <laughs> like I was like, I can't do it. Like I just have guilt now. And then like, my, I think someone came out to me. And they're like, "Oh, did you enjoy it?" And I was like, "Hmm." 
yeah. no. And like top it off, like the guest ended up ghosting me. And oh, no. yeah, they, they picked the book. We went through all of that for nothing. Yeah. Well, like I yeah. this was when I was still pre-reading the whole book, and then we do all the episodes, which I like learned from and I don't do anymore. But you know, they ghosted me because it took me like a month to read it because it's a thousand pages. Sure. It's a long yeah, it's unnecessarily yeah, long. It's so long it hurts me yeah. to hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. That. So it took me like a month or a month and a half to like actually read it. And I was like, hey, I finished it. Would you like to? And then they didn't answer. And I was like, honestly, probably for the best. Maybe they read it and were like, you know what? Yeah. Well, they were like, this is my favorite book. Maybe. And I was like, okay. Maybe I shouldn't go around saying this is my yeah. favorite book. I don't think I want to die on this. I was like, I'm too trusting. I think that's what we learned here. Like, oh, when I first started this podcast, I was like, yeah, everybody, whatever, yeah. And now I'm like, I need to do a rigorous <laughs> background check. Yeah. Google. Yeah. Like, credit check. Hold on. Where do you spend your money? Who do you support? <laughs> okay. Like, oh, geez. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, though, man. Like, when I when I read that in the book, I was just like, ooh. And then she goes on to be like, yeah, but I did get into these World War II history books. And that was a more grim and appropriate tale of how people have been pushed to their limits yeah. and the torture yeah. they've put up with in life. And I was like, damn, girl, you went there. I know. I was like, yes, queen. Because, like, I can't t- – so I am from a place in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. that is very small, mm-hmm. very small town, very, like – it's a suburb, but it's almost rural. It's, it's outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Not very many black people that went to school there. I'm pretty sure I probably said that already in a previous episode. But um, I have a lot of Jewish people mm-hmm. from where I'm from, right? And, like, I remember whenever we would do, like, holiday festivities and stuff, there would always be – like a mom that came in and like made latkes and a mom that came in and made Christmas cookies mm-hmm. or gingerbread, right? So that everybody could celebrate their holiday. And then um, they were really disappointed to find out me and my family didn't celebrate Kwanzaa because they really wanted the third holiday mm-hmm. in there to like lock in the diversity. And I was just like, shrug, we don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah. And they were like, surely you must know what Hanukkah is and Kwanzaa and Christmas. And I was like, the middle one? No. The other two? Yes. Yeah. I don't know anything about Kwanzaa. I'm so sorry. Is that bad? And I got sent to the principal's office because they were like, you shouldn't be hiding your culture. And I was like, not all black people celebrate Kwanzaa. It was a whole thing. But anyway, I made lakas mm-hmm. and it changed my life. And um, I remember my friends talking to me about like their grandparents mm-hmm. that were in the Holocaust. And that was the first time that I was like, wait, what? You know what I mean yeah. about history? They were like, yeah, like my grandpa was in the Holocaust mm-hmm. and like he's got a tattoo of a number on his arm. And I'm like, oh that was like recent then you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I remember someone trying to pass that off like it wasn't a big deal and minimize it like they tried to minimize slavery and Mm -hmm. I'm like they were both horrific acts of genocide and terror that were visited upon a certain group of people for existing Mm -hmm. like literally they're both just as serious and like now I feel like people are more sympathetic to the holocaust because they feel like oh what it just happened Mm -hmm. like it's more recent you know what I mean and I'm like slavery and integration and civil rights that's an ongoing struggle like it's still happening mm-hmm. same thing with anti-semitism right anti-jewish you know any anything to do with like being anti-jewish or you know like any of that like that's still a struggle that people are fighting today you know what yeah. i'm saying so like you can't say any of that's really over when there are still like active nazis there are still active kkk there's still you know what i mean like the proud boys are basically another continuum of that you know, except combined mm-hmm. now, they hate everybody instead of just one or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's wild to me. So, like, I like that she at least made that point to kind of connect the ho- what happened during the Holocaust mm-hmm. to what happened during slavery. Because the circumstances are not exactly the same mm-hmm. by, any, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, 
and obviously there was no upside you know what i'm saying the upside that like theorists have tried to kind of like racist theorists have tried to argue with slavery is like well the people were fed and they were clothed and you know blah 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 and it's like okay but that doesn't make what, what happened yeah. right they just needed to do that so that they could continue the cycle of violence they weren't even supposed to be here people. like they literally right? went like it's not like they were like oh we came over to america for like better livable wage or whatever like right. it, no. we literally kidnapped people stole yeah like stole actual people and family. So there's no upside because yeah. it's like it, it, no. I guess I can see it if it's like oh you know they were already like super poor and you know they mm-hmm. were like dying on the side of the street and then like if, like here's an opportunity yeah, if you want to like romanticize this better than what you right, yeah right it's like no, we literally kidnapped people what I'm like I I don't right. understand like they probably had families and jobs and like lives yeah. and they're like absolutely home place wherever they're from yeah you know and it's like. And then Americans were like, "Ah, <laughs> what yeah. are we just for funsies like kidnapping yeah. people?" Like, and it's and it's had lasting effects too. Yeah. It's like when you look at Africa, people are like, "Oh, Africa is so poor. It's poor. It's poor. It's poor." I wonder right? why. Because then told you, everybody that was like hardworking, what? I mean, come on, right? So like, you've got people that are along the like the eastern coast of Africa, yeah. right, where like people are coming through the Middle Passage and mm-hmm. stuff. So you've got all these people that are like, you know, they they work, you know, maybe they have like a rice field, mm-hmm. right? They have like a rice paddy or something because they live in like a low marshy area. Mm-hmm. Or you've got other people that have people have adapted over centuries mm-hmm. to be able to farm this land and to be prosperous and to make money and to you know do all the things that you do when you're when you have a civilization, mm-hmm. right? Art, music, culture, whatever. Then somebody comes and fucking rounds up this entire village of people. Mm-hmm. That land goes untended. The people that were able to escape have to move inland. So anybody that's been farming rice in like a marshy area yeah. is now what? In a desert and they're supposed to just be fine now? Yeah. Like everything that their family has spent like literally lifetimes mm-hmm. learning and understanding about the land and about the way to run their lives now has to be completely upended and relearned. And you're having people that are going into other people's territories that they never used to be a part of. Right. So then you have tribal wars because they're like, what the fuck? Why are you coming up in my backyard? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we have land, you know, divided for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then like that, of course, like that's, that's, that's had a huge domino mm-hmm. effect and a huge ripple effect. Like there are a lot of scholars who have actually done research into that and how, you know slavery not just affected the people that were taken but also the remaining land itself mm-hmm. and like the perspectives of the people that were left behind you know what i mean it's it's a lot yeah like it's a lot and it was really good to have her kind of make that connection because i feel like sometimes again like there's a lot of well you know justification justification that people try to do now mm-hmm. because we're so far away from it and because so much progress has has been mm-hmm. made you know but just because a lot of progress has been made doesn't mean that we've like reach the mountain i know you know what i'm saying it just means you're a quarter of the way there's up literally no way to justify it like there's nothing no. anybody could say that i'd be like oh okay like no like first of all someone had to go like out of their way to kidnap people yes like they had to sail over there think about yeah. it while they're sailing yep kidnap build them. a build a, sh- build a ship yeah. build or a ship, a ship with the capability right yeah. to, with the capability of housing all of these people yeah. extremely uncomfortably and then like went all the way over there which probably <laughs> took at least like a couple weeks to get there if not months, yeah. sometimes depending on how hard the water and at was no yeah. point were they like ah you know actually this Maybe is not, not a good idea yeah you know yeah. like nothing could justify that to me yeah i don't care yeah. what anybody says like i mean humanity is is extraordinarily cruel and i feel like these days like the least we could do is at least be honest about mm-hmm. 
so that we can make sure that that kind of thing never happens again. We can actually try to move toward a place where like our civilization, in my opinion, like, you know, barbarism mm -hmm. and torture and, you know, all that stuff, pestilence, those are markers of like either a young civilization or a dying one, right? You look at like the, 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 the Middle Ages with like the Black Plague and then the Renaissance and everything that came after to like, you know, come out of these like, you know, dark times mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Like it's like hitting reset. And I'm looking at us like dodging COVID and pretending that like the Voting Rights Act doesn't need to be passed and that it's okay to like restrict, you know, voting mm -hmm. rights for people of color and people who don't speak English and, you know, whatever, all this anti-melting pot kind mm -hmm. of rhetoric, which is like the antithesis of American patriotism because we are a melting pot and that's what makes us great in the first mm -hmm. place, right? And I hear all of this and I'm just like, so like, do we have to have like another like history class? Can there be like a mandatory, I know you can't have mandatory vaccines, but can we have mandatory like <laughs> mandatory conversations about actual history like there are people coming here every day that are taking their american you know mm -hmm. government test right they're like tests to get their green card or their test to get a visa or their test to become an american citizen mm -hmm. and they know more about american history than people that are in office yeah like that's i also think there should be a like time wrong. limit to uh those like house of representative and senate seats oh, hard agree because like 100%. I'm sorry, but a 90-year-old man should not make decisions about my body. Thank you. Absolutely not. I We could go on that for all, like, way too long. Tangent. Yeah. Okay, let's get we back to it. We have to get back to it, because honestly, <laughs> I'm going to get too fired up if we, like, even start yeah. going there. Like, if, we can Agreed. poke at it, but, like, if I look at it too long, I'm just going to get a little yeah, angry. very fired up. I agree. Yeah. All right, so that's all we're going to talk about today. Lots of heavy hitting, lots of talking. We're going to have to finish the rest of this chapter, hopefully the rest in the next episode uh, or in multiple episodes. We'll see. Cause there's a lot to talk about. It's a lot. Yep. <laughs> it's definitely a lot. But Candace, where can all the people of the internet find you? So you guys can find me in a lot of places. Um, you can find me on YouTube, on Instagram, um, and uh, several other locations actually at candace the magnificent all one word you can find me on twitter or discord at that candace girl um definitely go by youtube if you guys want you can check out my channel i do um, ice cream reviews right now i'm going to be expanding that content to include um maybe some book analyses since this has been such a blast um and some ukulele videos uh you can also head over to the dungeon jedi masters podcast uh, for scattered choices it's a star wars 5e uh themed uh, Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game that we have turned into um, more of like a news show, like a news radio show. Um, or you can look up Valor Studios, V-A-L-O-R-E, and find me playing Jem Jameson Freeman um, in their their take on Deadlands. And that's going to be back in 2022. Um, and then I'm also going to be in January 2022 um, in a short like a shorter series for Dungeons and Dragons. So again, that's through Valor Studios. So please check me out. Yeah, do it. You're wonderful. Everyone's going to love it. Thank you. You're wonderful. But we will catch you all in the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Barely Bookish Podcast. If you want more content, please consider joining the Patreon. Uh, you get a bonus access, uh, bonus episode every single month, and you get exclusive early access to episodes. Uh, and you get them on Mondays instead of Tuesdays. So if you're all caught up, please consider joining that. Uh, it's all donation-based, so you can join for as low as $3 a month and get access to a lot of great stuff. And you also get the Patreon Discord. Um, and... I would really appreciate it. So if you want some more exclusive content, please consider donating and joining over there. Um, And also you can check me out on Twitch if you want to see my face and hear me talk about things. And I, I do like writing sprints and I do some video games. So please check that out. But I hope you all are having a great week and that if you celebrated Valentine's Day, you had a good one. If you want to follow me on any social media, I'm at Barely Bookish on literally everything. I have basically all the social media, so you can find me there. Um, our logo is designed by my little sibling, Sarah. Our theme song is by Raphael Crux, and I will catch you all in the next episode. Bye!